guarantee subsidy schemes, which are always well received. So, you know, if a fintech wants to go and launch their product, a B2B fintech, let's say with a bank or an asset manager, they will get the backing and funding to do that. The main thing, however, though, is the big challenge in Hong Kong, vendor onboarding for B2B fintechs takes a long, long, long time. We always see a massive opportunity for the government to create pre-approved lists of, you know, fintechs from a data, compliance, whatever perspective, common standards across the industry with a regulatory sign-off that says, these are all the fintechs that you can work with. Don't run them through six to nine months of vendor onboarding and processes because mm. it burns their cash and it creates a lot of pain for them. Ben, thank you very much indeed for updating us on that. That's Ben Quinlan, the CEO and managing partner of Quinlan and Associates. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Asian markets are falling pretty hard now, um, not long after the open. The ASX 200 in Australia... Uh, down 1.9%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off one and a quarter percent. The Cosby is down one and a half percent. And futures markets pointing to a loss of about 250 points for the Hang Seng at the open. Coming up after the news is back chats with Janice Wong and Jenny Lam. The weather forecast, sunny periods, few showers and thunderstorms. Uh, maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. It is 29 degrees right now. 77% relative humidity. <laughs> Here's Andrew Shorsky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. A chief manager at the hospital authority says the working relationship between public and private hospitals has improved when it comes to COVID patient admissions. Dr. Lau Kahin made the comment as Hong Kong's daily COVID tally headed toward 10,000, with the Center for Health Protection reporting 9,495 new cases, 228 of them imported. At this moment, we have at least 380 beds that we can download or discharge our patients to these private hospitals. We will continue to liaise with the private hospitals to increase the number of beds when the COVID admission is increased. Our communication, our working relationship with the private hospitals are much better now. So the turnover, the number who are admitted to the private hospital is increasing in, in the past one or two weeks. Almost 2,600 people with COVID are now being treated in public hospitals, 15 of them in intensive care. Nine more COVID-related patients have died. Sports Commissioner Yong Tak Kung says there are currently no plans to require spectators going to the Hong Kong Sevens this November to get tested before entering the stadium. But players will have to be tested daily. The commissioner says there will be a closed-loop arrangement for those taking part in the event. First of all, all the overseas players and officials, they will stay in a quarantine hotel. They will under a bubble arrangement. So uh, according to, to the current requirements, they will stay in the uh, in a quarantine hotel for three days. And during those three days, well, subject to a negative uh, test result, they can conduct training in the designated venues with special transport arrangements. The police have laid a holding charge against three men aged 27 to 39 jointly with one count of murder. The three were arrested on Monday and Tuesday following the death of a 35-year-old man in Yamate on Monday. The case will be mentioned at Kowloon City Court later today. Russian media say the funeral of the Soviet Union's last leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, will take place on Saturday. He died on Tuesday at the age of 91. Russian news agency says the ceremony will be held at Moscow's Hall of Columns and will be open to the public. The German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said Mr. Gorbachev had changed the course of history for the whole of Europe.
We know that he's died at a time when not only has democracy in Russia failed, but also Russia and the Russian president Putin are digging new trenches in Europe and have started a terrible war against the neighboring country, Ukraine. And that is precisely why we remember Mikhail Gorbachev and know what significance he had for the development of Europe and also of our country in recent years. The world's largest offshore wind farm off the east coast of England has become fully operational. The Hornsey 2 project can generate enough electricity to power more than a million homes. Dozens of huge turbines 200 meters high will generate electricity in the North Sea. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Jenny Lam. Today we're looking at how hotel operators are doing after quarantine here was cut by half around two weeks ago to three nights. Some hotels say the change has significantly reduced their business and some don't even want to be a designated quarantine hotel anymore. According to the list of designated quarantine hotels released by the hospital authority on Monday, four of the 68 designated quarantine hotels have announced they will stop serving inbound travelers for their quarantine needs as they no longer see it as a good source of income under the current entry policy. So how bad is the quarantine hotel business at the moment? Will more hotels stop serving inbound travellers? How can the city attract more people to come here? And after a quarter past nine, we'll look at the health benefits of learning an instrument early. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can also email us as backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us, of course, and our number is 2338-8266. That's 2338-8266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, we're joined in our Kowloon Tong studio by Paul Leung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association. Yeah, good and morning. Good morning to you. And uh, on the line, we have Mel Vastine, the director of operations at Ovalo Hotels. Good morning to uh, the both of you, and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. So, Mr. Vastine, good morning. Mr. Vastine, can you first tell us what the situation is like at Ovalo Hotels? So, at Ovalo, the reduction of quarantine night from uh, 7 to 3 has impacted our business by uh, more than uh, 50%. But we are uh, heading in the right direction, and uh, we hope the next step will be no quarantine at all. So we have to stay positive and uh, stand for our mission to provide uh, accommodation and uh, to bring back people in Hong Kong. So, bus- but, uh, yeah? so business has gone down by 50%. Is this all down to changes? Is this all down to changes in quarantine rules? Yes, absolutely. So, um, Mr. Fasting, what will the criteria be in, det- in deciding whether your hotel would join the if there is a next list of quarantine hotels? Well, the, the, we, the criteria of selecting, we, we sign up, uh, up to, uh, you know, for the ACIC order to uh, uh, end of October. And so uh, I think the criteria for us is, uh, is uh, always to stand for our mission to, to bring back uh, people into Hong Kong. So this is our mission. We have a fantastic program at Ovolo called the uh, Ovolo Homecoming Project. It's an initiative that is dedicated to support returning Hong Kongers throughout the, uh, you know, the financial difficulties of uh, mandatory quarantine period. So we work with a partner like uh, Pathfinder and the Zoe Foundation that help us to sponsor a portion of selected candidates 
returning flights. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, Mr. Fastine, do you have any idea what's uh, happening at other quarantine hotels? Or are they having similar problems? Well, I won't speak for uh, the other uh, hotel brand, but what I know is that uh, at Ovolo, we, we adapt very quickly and uh, we respond to the demand. We are uh, ready to welcome even more travellers. Right. And uh, Mr. Leung? Um, I, I know you've been working with the uh, hotel industry uh, for more than four decades. Uh, what have you been hearing from uh, from them? Yeah, uh, at the moment, uh, these coming days, yes, it's, it is uh, the fact that we are easily to get some quarantine hotel. Uh, not like uh, a month ago, you know, it's difficult to get, even though you want to pay higher and still we cannot get it. Uh, you know, there is some, uh, quite some reasons to do that because there is a, quite a number of Chinese uh, students coming, coming back uh, from overseas and why Hong Kong, they want to go back to China. Actually, the, the main destination is China. That's why there's a huge number of uh, students coming back. So we need a lot of those uh, quarantine hotels. During that time, is seven days. So uh, now it turned up to be three plus four. So um, uh, they only have to stay for three days, uh, and and another four days. You know, actually, most of them will will leave Hong Kong. They 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 don't want to stay here because that is not their destination. So. Um, uh, as you say, you know, at, at this moment now, it's quite easy to get, and the price is not like, uh, it's not fluctuate that much. Uh, uh, the, the, the quarantine hotel definitely the, the government is controlling the price. We cannot, they, they, they cannot fluctuate the price. But, but other days, then now, now the four, uh, uh, the extra four days. Uh, and they can, uh, they have to move to some not, not quarantine hotels. So, or, yeah. The demand, I think, has, has changed, uh, as you mentioned. But, uh, you know, at Ovolo, we cater for long stay, short stay, quarantine or non quarantine hotel. And it's all about uh, offer and demand. And the government is adapting to, to the situation and the population need. And so do we. But, uh, I think right now we are uh, going in the right direction and we should focus on what we can do to help the city to reopen to the world. We have a beautiful third runway uh, ready to operate, so we should all get ready to welcome more business and leisure travellers. Yeah. Mr. Long, you mentioned the students coming back home, yeah. but that's only one way, because once you're yeah. all back in here in September, the yeah. following months, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you see the coming few months. Yeah, that's why the demand is much uh, lesser now. You know, uh, this is the reason, this is one of the reasons and the other main reason is the, uh, they, they change it in uh, from seven to three. So it, uh, it really helps uh, to get the quarantine hotel. Um, as you mentioned, there's quite a number of, uh, as uh, last month, especially July and August, you know, there's a lot of uh, a stay vacation program coming and because we can, a lot of families cannot leave Hong Kong. That's why all the resort type hotel uh, uh, became a stay vacation hotel already. Uh, not, n uh, not only those resort now, because uh, all these resort hotels are fully booked during the last two months. So it's difficult to, to book also. So a lot of uh, hotels will change. Uh, even the, the, 
the city hotel, and they they turn they turn into a state vacation hotel already. So a lot of kids, uh, families are staying uh, in those yeah. hotels. Yes, so Mr. Vastin, um, why doesn't your hotel change to a staycation hotel rather than staying as a quarantine? Well, but uh, our quarantine uh, program at Ovolo is, is it's a real vacation program. So uh, this is our uh, <laughs> this is our way of looking at things. Is uh, uh, when you experience uh, uh, a quarantine at Ovolo, this, this is uh, this is a vacation. We do everything to to serve our guests in in a fun way and and bring them quality, uh, you know, food and services. And uh, the feedback we receive from the, from their quarantine is. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the, the, the same uh, uh, effect of, uh, you know, having a nice stay as a um, staycation in the city. All right. I have a message here from a listener, Richard. He says uh, the uh, maybe Mr. Vastine, you you might want to respond. He says the entire quarantine thing has been an absolute scam from the beginning. Would anyone like to have a guess at how many of these hotels are owned by the tycoon families of Hong Kong? It might surprise you. Well, actually, it probably wouldn't. These families have had the government in their back pocket for decades. And uh, that's from Richard. Um, Mr. Vastine, uh, do you have any response to that? I mean, do you do you yeah, really? I, yep. I, I think uh, everything uh, that is seen from the public sometimes is, uh, you, you know, I, I can understand that there is a misconception, uh, and whether you do quarantine business or non-quarantine business, there is not enough for us to operate like we used to. The the, the city is not welcoming any tourists. Uh, you know, we had forty thousand passengers uh, in, in July. Mr. Bastine is saying the government should accept the risk. What do you think? Uh, yeah, because because of the public health, you know, uh, definitely we have actually those uh, quarantine hotel starts uh, because of the domestic helpers. We are we need. Uh, I think a lot of in Hong Kong, uh, most of the family need, needs domestic helpers. So uh, that's how it starts first. So because you need a lot of domestic helpers when they come back here in Hong Kong and then and they need to stay for 21 days uh, during that time. So and then gradually then now it turns to be uh, three plus four, right? So uh, actually, 
Uh, and not only now, of course, not only domestic helpers. Uh, Hong Kong has to open up for for tourists. Actually, not not only not only uh, 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 domestic or no whatever. You know, we need tourists tourists in Hong Kong because because Hong Kong is too small. And not nothing much to do. You know, as far as uh, we concern, are the uh, travel agency concern. We need the the business because if incoming is more important. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Uh, let's uh, bring in uh, Catherine Chung, an associate dean of the Polytechnic University's School of Hotel and Tourism Management. Good morning, Professor Chung. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. Uh, and, uh, thank you so, for having me. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, so you've uh, been hearing what uh, Mr. Yep. Bastine and uh, Mr. Leung has been saying. Uh, what are your thoughts on the situation in the hotel industry? Well, I think the hotels definitely in Hong Kong are suffering because of the uh, travel restrictions. The, the government has been very strict on the travel restrictions. And uh, the opening of the border depends really on uh, reducing the COVID cases and also the limit, n the number of deaths. That's very understandable. However, uh, we can see our competitive cities around Southeast Asia, they are trying to open up and they are trying to get on, you know, with the tourism and moving on with the tourism and hospitality business. So uh, I think in Hong Kong, we, we need to, you know, think about, you know, how we can relax and remove. I mean, t these two hours are very important to uh, not only hospitality business, business, but other businesses as well. The relax and remove of travel restrictions so that business can be uh, like hospitality in industries. Everybody wants to uh, have a business as usual. So uh, we, we, we want to have more tourists coming back. We want to make Hong Kong a livable city, uh, a very attractive destination. So uh, that is how I think, you know, now people need the hope, you know, to uh, continue with the business to move on. Mm. Mr. Lung, um can you quantify for me what damage has it done to the travel industry? Or this quarantine business? Uh, if, if you're looking at the travel agency business, I think 95% uh, are off. So, what you do know, 95% of, of our business is off. Uh, yeah, uh, that is simply because, uh, the, uh, because they closed the, the government closed the border and uh, there is no inbound, no outbound, and even the airline, you know, they stop flying, you know. So, uh, in in fact, there is nothing much we can do. You know uh, that that is the reason why a lot of the travel agency lay off all the staff. How many or, people have lost their jobs? Oh, or maybe at least you know, at least fifty or sixty, a hundred thousands of them. Because not only the two guy, the escort, and even the office. Uh, they 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 lost the job because because uh, they, we we don't need any 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 staff in the office because no no uh, no need to coordinate with passengers. So so that, um, what we see is the damage is totally ninety percent out, uh, ninety five percent out. Uh, what is left behind is only what we are trying 
to do now is uh, some of the quarantine hotel, uh, some of the uh, the the tickets uh, from the domestic helpers. We need uh, uh, even uh, Indonesia, you know, some of uh, Indonesia, Philippines, you know, some of the domestic helpers come to Hong Kong, and uh, they need tickets. No, that's only minor minor business. Yeah, so you talk about many of the uh, tour guides uh, and people who work in this business have have lost their jobs or they've moved on. Now, if the tourism sector in Hong Kong is to recover, what will it take? I mean, will, will it be difficult to rehire some of these people, you think? Uh, no, what, what we can do is uh, we will rehire and we have to start training them back. Uh, not only because uh, people always think of uh, travel agency is is the tour guy or or the escort. It's not only that. It's the, you have to consider all the tour buses also. Uh, the poor, the, 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 there's a lot of tour buses, you know, uh, lying there in in Kwai Chung, you know, uh, doing nothing. And a lot of those tour bus drivers change the job and they become taxi drivers or school bus drivers or or whatever you know they they you know they have to survive you know no but not only that so you no know, we are talking about the tourism sector so we really uh, get hit that's why the government needs to help us yeah for that what about Mr. Vastine? What about the hotel industry? Presumably, a lot of the people who used to work in hotels no longer have to work there. Um, how would you recover if we are? Yeah, so uh, a lot of our uh, uh, staff and the industry in general has been uh, impacted and uh, has been almost three years where people uh, have changed industry and uh, it's very difficult to uh, get them back. It, it's very difficult to... Uh, um, uh, as this uh, attractive uh, way of, uh, you know, and, and they, they change jobs and considering working in quarantine hotel, it, it's also uh, very difficult uh, to, to, to operate. So to be, to be uh, sexy again, I think uh, the government needs to just, uh, you know, consider something that, that quarantine that uh, only we do and uh, reopen to the world and only then we'll be able to, uh, you know, rehire people um, our service is a, is a face-to-face, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, service that we provide to our customer. Is not, you know, behind the, um, all these protective gears, and uh, there is no interaction, social distancing, and this is this is not tourism. This is not uh, hospitality. Hospitality is about warmth. It's about discovering the city. It's, uh, it's about enjoying life and. Uh, and, and people just want that. So to be able to hire people, I think we need to, um, to change our uh, business model and, and, and get away from that uh, quarantine business. All right. I have a message here from another listener, Marcus, and it's in response to the um, to some of the hotels quitting the designated hotels for quarantine scheme. He says, uh, um, so they can't price gorge any more they want out. I had to pay $2,400 per night for seven nights for a really bad room that I would have been pleased to leave after one night. He added that he got ill during a three-week quarantine later on, I guess, um, because of the food and lack of space. Um, Mr. Leung, what's your response to uh, that comment? Do you think uh, some of the hotels that have quit uh, this scheme and are moving to a staycation business, like you mentioned, they're doing it for the money or, or is it just uh, about survival? 
uh, what you know actually everybody have to survive now you know everybody is thinking of ways to survive you know uh, not only the hotel you know other sector as well no as you are talking about the hotel definitely if if the if the quarantine numbers drop down definitely they have to change the planning you know uh, if you are going to stay uh, uh, if your hotel is running the occupancy is so lo- so so low that right and the other sector is coming is, is rising so why why not go to that that sector now so nowadays uh, everybody is prepared actually uh, uh, the the market is talking about uh, the is trying to be three three to four and then it will be zero to seven and you know, everybody is speculating all these all these rumors uh, uh, in spite of you know every day we have <laughs> over ten thousand <laughs> uh, uh, problem so you know it, uh what what we see really is uh the hotel uh needs to change the policy change it into uh stay vacation or or change it into uh uh, uh they they welcome other 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 tourists or other uh, you know because after three nights you have to go to another hotel to stay the other four night you know if you are a tourist or if you are a corporate person uh, you don't have families in Hong Kong you still have to stay in those hotels so if you are going to move to those hotels not the quarantine hotel not the 68 uh, hotel you have to move to and and the price will be very fluctuate mm-hmm. uh, so so we changed to this three and four um, arrangement about two weeks ago have you actually seen any tourists coming in no no not not much, yeah, not much. What I see is, uh, uh, maybe, maybe the hotel will, will will give you a better a better picture. But what we what we admit is mostly of the uh, relatives, you know, the corporate. It's not leisure, you know. We 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 don't see any leisure yet. Mr. Bastine, any of your guests are actual tourists? No, no, no. Spending three nights in a hotel off your uh, you know holidays. Uh, as you start uh, your vacation is, is nonsense. You, you would prefer to go to any other destination. Plus, the last four nights that you spend in another hotel, you can't a- access the facilities you, as, as uh, you know, uh, um, um, the, you, you cannot access the gym, you cannot access the restaurant, you are on self-monitoring and uh, uh, it doesn't make sense to spend one week of your holidays uh, with these restrictions. Business travelers. Have you had any increase in business travelers since this three yes, plus four? It's picking up because business travelers can work from their hotel rooms. It's uh, it's it, that's the the pickup is so small. It, it won't uh, make a big difference. If we want to have uh, the city back on track and 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 bring back uh, business travelers in, in in Hong Kong, we need to to move to uh, um, uh, no quarantine and less restrictions. And I just want to just briefly clarify that uh, the the four hotels which have opted out of the designated uh, hotels for quarantine scheme, they are not all rushing uh, to join the staycation business. Um, At least one of them, the Metro Park Hotel Kowloon, it will become a community isolation facility instead starting today because of the current COVID-19 situation. And according to its statement, it will now only accept confirmed cases arranged by the government. 
Um, Mr. Bastine, do you know if more hotels are being invited or uh, to become to become a community isolation facilities as well? Um, I think it's uh, it's not something that uh, uh, the government is proactively uh, looking for. I think it's the other way around. Um, hoteliers, uh, operators that are uh, you know presenting their uh, their wish uh, to the Department of Health. So it's not it's not the other way around. And uh, um, I think everyone tries to adapt to uh, to the change in in quarantine and uh, moving forward. When the government decides to uh, even further uh, relax uh, those restrictions, we'll have to uh, adapt uh, even more. So it, it, it's up to us to be ready to those uh, changes and to, to adapt to the, to the marketplace. And, uh, and we are ready. We are ready for that. We are ready to welcome more tourism, uh, more business travelers. Yeah, so Catherine Chung, you're with uh -huh. the Poly Youth uh, School of Hotel and right. Tourism Management. This is us, Dean, from the Overlook Hotel, saying what we're doing right now is simply not the hospitality business. You teach hospitality at your, at your university. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does it affect what you teach and really the future of your students? Um, what we can see uh, for this year, the application for undergraduate program at, uh, for the School of Hotel and Tourism Management, our scheme BS uh, Bachelor of Science scheme in Hotel and Tourism Sorry, Management. Professor Chang, I'm afraid we'll have to stop you there for a moment and we can continue after the news because uh, we have to take a short break uh, to, to, for the news for, uh, first. And uh, But we'll continue in a few minutes' time with uh, also Mr. Leung and uh, Mr. Fastine. I know you have to go. Many thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's Mel Fastine, the Director of operations at Overlow Hotels. And uh, just a quick look at the weather, sunny intervals with a few showers and uh, thunderstorms. The uh, top temperature will be around 32 degrees in the urban areas. Winds light to moderate northerlies and the outlook mainly fine and dry and very hot over the next few days. Right now it's 30 degrees. Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Thursday morning with our guest presenter, Jenny Lam, and me, Janice Wong. And, uh, and uh, right now, uh, still with us in the studio is uh, Paul Leung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association. And uh, still on the line is Catherine Cheung, an associate dean of the Polytechnic University's School of Hotel and Tourism Management. And uh, Jenny, you were asking a question uh, before the news? Yeah, so, so Catherine Cheung, we were talking about how um, it affects the teaching of the hospitality business at the PolyU of School of Hotel and Tourism Management and frankly the mm -hmm. future of your students. You were talking about student recruitment. Exactly, yeah. I was uh, talking about student recruitment for this uh, academic year. So in July, uh, after the JUPAX uh, results, you know, was released and uh, or, or modifying the choices for the stu local students uh, for university admission, uh, we, we uh, the School of Hotel and Tourism Management, the Bachelor of Science scheme in Hotel and Tourism Management is the most sought after program at PolyU. So um, we are talking about 13.4 students uh, competing for one place in our school. And in our school, uh, we have a new scheme and the new scheme uh, was, is actually divided into three specialisms. We have hotel management, we have smart tourism and hospitality, and we have event and experience management. So we can see that our program is still very popular among young people. 
so because uh, we are very optimistic about the situation, uh, about the pandemic situation, and also the future of the travel and tourism industry. So students believe that you know when they studied with us uh, for four years, after four years, uh, the tourism and hospitality students as as industry will rebound. Mm-hmm. So students will be able to uh, get a job, and then the employment would be uh, uh, not as bad as during the pandemic. Mm. So just now you talk about uh, uh, the labor, like the employee shortage, the labor shortage in the industry. Uh, in 2021, we can see from the rest of the world, you know, we're talking a lot about the great resignation. So people in the hospitality and tourism industry especially uh, are resigning. They are uh, changing to another job, you know, another career. And uh, the great resignation actually happened last year. And then hotels uh, had difficulties for uh, retaining the staff. And then uh, we can see the rest of the world, you know, the tourism industry, the travel restrictions were removed, they opened, and uh, the tourism industry, the tourists starts coming back, and then they have this big problem of a labor shortage. So what we have uh, seeing now uh, in the hospitality industry uh, in the rest of the world is they are doing the great realignment. So uh, realigning, you know, like the... Uh, the career of the young people or people in the mid-career or late career in the hospitality field to the structure of uh, and the structure of their uh, business. So how many percent of your graduates from the last two years are actually employed in the Hong Kong tourism industry? Um, we last year our students uh, some of them you know like uh, about 50 to 60 percent of them uh, go into the hospitality business on uh, tourism business but because we, we are teaching skills that can be transferred to other industries so we can see some of the students actually uh, go to other service industry or some students uh, will go for further studies yeah, so, so the 50% who are in the tourism industry, are you saying the Hong Kong tourism industry? Um, yeah, I would say Hong Kong uh, hotel and tourism industry. But we have uh, in our school, we have international students. So we have students from Korea, we have students from uh, Europe, you know, and from Singapore, from Thailand. And then these students, they were able to find a job after they graduate. Yeah, no doubt, because mm. uh, the mm-hmm. industry uh, outside Hong Kong is just normal. But, but in Hong Kong, the students, your students who are employed in the local tourism industry, what exactly are they doing? What, what, what are their jobs? Now, uh, students, uh, because of the skills that we trans- uh, we teach students with uh, hospitality skills, students were able to find uh, you know jobs at the sales and marketing, human resources. We have more students going to the human resources uh, department, and uh, and then revenue management. This is a subject that we taught uh, uh, in the school, and uh, re- on revenue management. No, that's not and- not tourism. Uh, for hospitality industry, for tourism, for tourism business, you know, uh, we our students actually are facing a very difficult time to get uh, t- tourism in- industry related jobs. But in the university, we uh, have been emphasizing a lot of uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. 
So we can see that you know students are, are having this hope to uh, create, develop their own business, you know, um, but because they're young students, so they still need the support from the government, the support from the university to, uh, you know, to become, you know, uh, to be a new innovator, a new entrepreneur. So they need the support. Mm. So, Mr. Long, the tourism industry hopefully eventually will have to hire some of these students from, you know, like the ones that Ms. Chan is talking about. How can university or, or businesses in general gear young people towards coming back to your sector? Yeah, at the moment it's, uh, it's difficult because not, not many uh, travel agents, uh, even big or small, they don't even, and they don't recruit uh, a lot of staff. Before, you know, we really, we really need to, to recruit, uh, uh, like those marketing, you know, we, we need a, a lot of people send them abroad to, to market, you know, because we have to attend a lot of these, uh, uh, a trade show and also those exhibition, you know, in in uh, for the tourist for the tourism exhibition, there's a lot, you know, in in India, in you know, in China, in all over the place. So we need to send a lot of people, and we need a lot of those graduate boys or girls to to go because they, and they they have enough knowledge to 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 operate this because. Uh, but now, you know, because uh, even the exhibition business is stopped in Hong Kong, you know, and, and the border is closed, you know, it's difficult for us to go abroad. Even though we go there, uh, like, uh, for, for, for example, we, we, we go to all these um, uh, conference, uh, con convention, exhibition, but no use because they cannot come. Uh, that's the problem, right? No, no, nobody wants to to lock in the in the hotel for three day, for, for three nights, and after that four nights. You know, no, it's difficult to to work. Actually, we 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 are we are looking forward that because Hong Kong, Hong Kong, we have confidence that Hong Kong will recover because you know even Hong Kong, not only our theme park, you know, our uh, there's a lot of this uh, theme park or uh, attraction is coming up like the the, the you know the, the the sky city, all right, is coming up. You know, a lot of this and even our our uh, palace museum and all this and M M ten M plus. And those are really a good attraction for for foreigners, you know, to come over. Right. So actually, we are we, we, we have confidence to uh, if if the border is open, you know, uh, maybe six months one um, it will recover. So you know, there are two things: reopening the border with the mainland and allowing um, people from outside China to come here. Which should be the priority? Which which of those two options will help the tourism industry more? Uh, what we see is, uh, this is very personal uh, opinion. I think we should open the foreigners first, the airport, because uh, not 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 the China, not the China, because China. I think we still have a long way to go. You know, because at this moment we still uh, every day we have over uh, uh, ten thousand uh, affected. So. I think overseas, because we can compare to our neighboring city, like Singapore, Malaysia, even now, now 
Taiwan wants to open also, right? So, so if all our neighboring cities wants to open up, so why not Hong Kong? You know, uh, Japan has kind of opened up, but you're only allowed to go there as part of a tour group. Is that actually, an option? Actually, actually, no, in Japan, I mean, they, they, yeah, they already changed. They're going to ease the travel restrictions further. I mean, that was uh, yeah. what, what I heard yesterday. And uh, they'll raise their daily arrival cap to 50,000. And... Uh, and you don't have to join a tour to go to Japan. You don't yeah. no, 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 no. Well, starting early September, right? Yeah. Yes. So. And also Korea, right? And even, actually, we it's too long already. The, 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 uh, the COVID nineteen is too long. You know, we we we, you know, we need to survive. It's, it's not as I just mentioned. Not only the hotel needs to survive. Everybody needs yeah. to survive. I, I got an email here from a listener, Phil. He says. Um, 70% of tourists are from China. So until China changes its policy, nothing will improve. Do, do you agree with that then, uh, Mr. Long? Yeah, we, yes, I agree with that. Because you are talking about seven, over 70% of the tourists are from China. Uh, n- not only tourists, you know, because the corporate and all these are, are, are from China. But... No, we have to go by step by step. You know, we have to compete with other city, our neighboring city as well. You know, if we cannot open the seventy percent, why why not the thirty percent, right? At least, at least we can we can work on the thirty percent. You know, at least not only not only uh, the the Chinese other. Even the hotel, the even the hotel, the the F and B, you know, the food, the beverage, you know, they, you know, they need they need business as well because not only the the local business, they they need foreigners. Right. I have another message here from Dan. He says uh, the solution is obvious: eliminate the inbound quarantine with uh, eight thousand plus. Actually, uh, it was nine thousand plus yesterday. Um, local cases per day. There is absolutely no need for it. Mr. Lang? <laughs> no, it, this is difficult, you know, to, to, to control. But uh, what we emphasize is uh, en- encourage people to, to have injection. You know, if we can really have 95% in, in, in fact, uh, injection rate, then we are safe, you know. Actually, even though you get affected, you know, you, it's not that serious. Now, now if, if, if you have the third dose, no, uh, even though you get affected, it will not affect you too much, mm-hmm. right? So, so uh, we should encourage the, the the young guys or the old <laughs> to get vaccinated, the, the elderly, <laughs> <laughs> not to get infected. Yes, to get vaccinated. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, everybody should get vaccinated. Yeah. And uh, Professor Chang, I know earlier on in the program you talked about uh, how it's uh, important to how it's important for Hong Kong to get more people to come here. Um, do you have any ideas how we can do that? Um, I, the Hong Kong Tourism Board, uh, Hong Kong, uh, has been promoting a lot to, uh, overseas of uh, Hong Kong, for, for Hong Kong. So, uh, uh, as Mr. Leung said, you know, Hong Kong has a lot of advantage with many tourist uh, attractions. So, uh, the peak tram just reopened and it has a new look. We have the museum. And I, I think, you know, Hong Kong is very attractive and we have been promoting it. 
so uh, I, I think you know what we need to do, uh, the government needs to do is reconsider how uh, how we should re- relax some of the travel restrictions or re- remove some of the travel restrictions and open to the rest of the world. So and or even you know uh, sh- you know th- uh, having some very positive steps for like travel um, uh, travel facilitation for uh, income in inbound travelers. So uh, we need uh, a, a very a big picture, a roadmap to recovery. So uh, I think the industry will need to, to the government to uh, lead us or, or to cooperate with us with uh, having this um, new roadmap for the recovery. A roadmap to recovery, Mr. Lai. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, the, the Hong Kong Tourism Board is starting already last month uh, to invite uh, the overseas agents for uh, not not in Hong Kong in the local city. You know, they are they are they are promoting start promoting already. You know, I I got news from from the from the overseas uh, agent. You know, the Hong Kong T- Tourism Board is starting to promote all our advantage for them. You know, just ready for if the the government say go, then I I think it is easy for us. All right, so Mr. Leung, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's Paul Leung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association. Many thanks also to Catherine Chung, an associate dean of the Polytechnic University's School of Hotel and Tourism Management. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. It's now coming up to 18 minutes past nine, which means it's time for us to turn to our next topic today. And it's about a new University of Edinburgh study that's found a link between children and teenagers who take up a musical instrument and improved thinking skills in old age. To comment on the findings, we're now joined by Dr. Janet Janet Shao, the head of the University of Hong Kong's Department of Psychology. Good morning, Dr. Shao. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, can you first share what uh, you know about the study? Yeah, so um, this is a study published in Psychological Science, which is a very high-profile um, journal in psychology field. And I think there's something very special about this study is that uh, it's a longitudinal study that basically follow these participants from year when they are um, only 11 years old until and then try to measure again later on when they turn 70 years old. So this kind of data is really uh, very precious. And I think in general, the topic is very interesting. And then, you know, there's the issue about whether music training or um, musical instrument um, training will facilitate cognitive abilities. This is a, a topic that um, very practical. Lots of people want to know. And 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 lots of studies, lots of people trying to understand it. But typically, this kind of studies is difficult to do because um, if you just compare across groups and and there are a lot of factors you need to control, and then it's better to be able to follow someone just to see uh, how how music training would change uh, this person's cognitive ability over time. So that's why this is um, a very the data is very precious, and then that's why it was able to be published in a very high profile journal. Yeah. So yeah, I learned the piano um, when I was five. And I played throughout my teenage years, and I cannot play a thing right now. Now, my lack of talent, do I benefit in any way if I start an instrument early? 
Uh, I think the benefit is not really about you know whether you are talented in it or not. The benefit is really from the practice itself. And musical instrument training, I think uh, it it is good because think about it when you are playing an instrument, it involves lots of cognitive. This lots of cognitive processes um, are happening at the same time. For example, uh, you need to be able to recognize uh, the musical notation. You need to think about, you need to plan how you're going to play it, you need to organize and sequence the sound and your hand movement and uh, and then also it involves working memory you need to somehow remember kind of anticipate what you're going to play and also your uh, eye hand coordination, so lots of things going on at the same time and then it really uh, requires you to engage in a lot of what we call executive functions such as uh, being able to be very concentrated, what we call executive executive attention, and you need to have ability to sequence information, monitoring what you are doing, be aware of what you're doing, and so on. And this, and I think it's just a very complicated cognitive task that allows you to really try to coordinate lots of things, lots of cognitive processes so, at the same time. So Dr. Xiao, would you say it's also similar to, uh, for example, playing mahjong? <laughs> Yes, yeah, I think, it, yeah, I actually also would like to, um, yeah, that's a very good point because I was going to say that musical training, music, or music instrument training is not the only way. I think mahjong is also a good exercise because you really need to yeah, recognize the symbols and then plan, do a lot of planning and problem solving. So it's also a good brain exercise. Yeah. Um, oh, what is it? What does music actually do physiologically to the brain of a de developing child? You know, in a child, the brain is making lots of neurological connections. Um, what does it actually do to the brain when you when you learn a musical instrument? Yeah, so you, if you try to think about how you learn to play music, it's actually very similar to, for example, how you learn language. Uh, so the, in research, in cognitive research, uh, there are a lot of similarities between music, um, learning music and learning language because you need to learn the sounds and you need to find the regularity in the sounds. You need to be able to recognize it and, and then learn how to sequence them and how to produce them. And, uh, and then there's a lot of um, like learning the regularity and the structure of music. So that's why for a long time, uh, Basically, it has been shown that because of the similarities between music, learning music and learning language. So for children who learn music, they seem to have, they seem to, um, have a lot of uh, benefits in, in terms of language learning as well. How young do they have to start? Well, in terms of learning, it's always, um, you know, the earlier the better because the brain, especially in uh, early, um, early age, the brain is developing very fast. So, yeah, I think, you know, as soon as, yeah, the earlier the better, I would say. And uh, when we talk about uh, the study, you, you told us how uh, it's very special because uh, it took uh, decades to complete and it's uh, the same uh, group of uh, people taking part. Um, but what are the real implications of the uh, study's findings? I mean, um, would it, uh, for example, uh, would learning an instrument early when you're young help prevent you from developing certain illnesses when you're old, such as uh, dementia? 
Yeah, I think this is one implication of the study. Um, so basically, what they show is that if you do get compare, if you follow these people, and then compare with that when they are eleven to when they are seventy, and then so then you see that those who play instruments, music instruments, and they as compare with those who don't, they seem to have. Better, abil- better cognitive ability, better thinking abilities. Um, so, so, the, so the, I think the implication. I, I think we always have to be very careful about how we interpret the data because you know during these years from 11 to 70, lots of things can happen, lots of factors can can um, that can affect their cognitive or thinking abilities. So, but in this study, they do try to control as much as possible other possibilities, such as their education level or their socioeconomic um, status. And so, um, but after they control all these variables as much as possible, they still see a small contribution of uh, music training to the cognitive um, abilities to thinking abilities so so it does suggest that uh, people who play music instruments maybe when they are old and somehow they have some kind of cognitive more cognitive reserve that can maybe they don't have data to support it but the implication is that they may help them to prevent dementia Okay, so I, I, I maybe help. <laughs> now, do you, do you remember, Janice, uh, there was a book um, about, I can't remember the exact title of it, but it's a couple, something like The Confession of a Tiger Mom. So the, the part of the story is about this mother who controls her two children by making them practice a violin over and over to great lengths. And one day, the girl just turned around and said, I'm not going to touch a violin anymore. So before parents rush into forcing their young children to learn a musical instrument, Dr. Xiao, what should they consider? I think they should reconsider, you know, learning should be fun. Because um, I, I have three kids, and I think it's very important to motivate them to learn rather than force them to do it. And also another thing to, yeah, kind of just experience sharing is, um, you know, they don't have to be number one in everything. And all these learning experiences just uh, to provide opportunities for them to develop their cognitive abilities, to learn new things, um, and then so then they will excel in the things they like to do. So, yeah, that will be my opinion. I don't think you need to force children to learn music. And then, but you should offer this op- option to them. And if you like to do it, then they do it. And then, then they will be beneficial to their cognitive development. And there are uh, quite a few uh, studies in the past uh, linking music to uh, cognitive development, I, I think. Uh, can you share some of the other studies uh, with us? Yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I think most of the studies show that definitely uh, there are a lot of evidence suggesting that music training, learning music will facilitate language learning because of um, the similarities in the cognitive processes involved between language and music learning. And uh, there are also studies suggesting that uh, music seems to be facilitating um memory development as well, memory abilities. And I think that makes sense because uh, playing music a lot of times involving you need to use your working memory to remember uh, what you what you just played and then to connect them with what you plan to play next. 
um, in addition to this, um, so in my own research, I do, uh, I do um, also compare. I do. I also examine reading. So I try to compare music reading and uh, reading in languages such as reading English or reading Chinese. And I think the the general finding is that um, when you try to see whether music. Reading or uh, can benefit, or music training in general can benefit a particular cognitive ability, such as reading abilities or language abilities. It's all about how similar they are in terms of their task demand and the cognitive um, processes or cognitive abilities required. And so, for example, when we compare music reading and uh, Chinese reading versus English reading, because Chinese and English words, they are they actually differ in a way that um, English is alphabetic language, so you need to, in order, in order to read English, you need to recognize, you need to match the letter to sound. But Chinese is what we call logographic language. It's like a, a symbol. You see a symbol, and then the symbol will match to a pronunciation. So in a way that music reading is more similar to English reading, because you also look at notes one by one and trying to match them to a sound, like you map each um, letter to its sound. Mm-hmm. So we found, yeah. So that's why we found that music reading experience seems to facilitate English reading more than Chinese reading. What about the type of music? I mean, uh, would you say? I mean, are there studies that show that classical music, for example, Mozart, is uh, more effective than uh, pop or rock? Uh, I think it, um, I think it depends on a person's preference. Um, so there are studies um, trying to examine, for example, if you, it is like, you know, classic music would just be good for everyone or actually it's better that, uh, so first of all, I think the first question is whether, because there are studies trying to see whether, you know, when you study, whether it's, it, actually it will be helpful if you listen to music and uh, whether the type of music matters. Um, and then in general, I think there are some findings suggesting that, um, you know, people do differ in their preference on music, and uh, certain music may work better for some people, but may not work for other people. All right. And, yeah. All right, Professor Xiao, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Janet Xiao, the head of the University of Hong Kong's Department of Psychology. Many thanks also to you who emailed or commented today, and of course to our guest presenter, Jenny Lam, and my producer, Yuki. Now, here's the weather for today. Sunny intervals with a few showers and thunderstorms. Highs expected of around 32 degrees in the urban areas. Winds light to moderate northerlies. And the outlook, mainly fine and dry and very hot over the next couple of days. 30 degrees at the moment, relative humidity 75%. Climate change is a pressing issue. Everyone's effort is needed to achieve low carbon living. Reduce your daily energy consumption. Turn off appliances when not in use. Don't overuse air conditioning or heating. Walk more and drive less when you go out.